0: Ladies and gents, today here on A Voice To Be Reckoned With with Brandy Joy, we have Jack O'Hollering. Oh my goodness. And you should know him. All should know him from Superman, King Kong, Dragnet. He used to be a great boxer and much more. And Jack is here with us today and he is a treat. So let's give him a welcoming ear and show him how we do here in A Voice To Be Reckoned With. Let's go. His time in boxing and how he transitioned into acting. On to a show of voice to be reckoned with, I'm your host, Brandy Joy, and I have Jack O'Hollering. I'm saying your last name correct, right?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, I want I always like to make sure that, you know, what I, mean? I always give respect to when I, with people's names, because that's how we identify ourselves. So if I ever say anything wrong, you just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so honored to have you here today because, you know, I'm an 80s kid. You know, yesterday was my birthday. And Say so, it again?
1: I didn't hear that. Did you what?
0: Uh, I said I'm happy to have you here today, you know, because I'm an 80s baby. So having you here, you know, I, I know, you know, the things that you worked on in the past and stuff. And yesterday was my birthday. So, you know. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Merry Christmas, too.
0: Thank you. Same to you, too. Hope you had a happy holiday.
1: Yeah, it's actually very good. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh, I, I was uh, so excited when, you know, Steve, we were talking about you and, um, and then you had mentioned that, you know, uh, you had your boxer, your um, ex-boxer. Correct. Yeah. And uh, Muhammad Ali, he was, you guys were very good friends.
1: He and I were very good friends. We were signed to fight uh, three different times. Oh, actually, almost four. Wow, it just never wow. happened. It was just one thing into another. Back when he fought Ken Norton the first time, he was supposed to fight me in San Diego. And <clears throat> that's that's another story.
0: Jack talks more about his boxing and the movie King Kong. It's more about Superman. How did you get into boxing, matter of fact?
1: I was playing uh, football and I... Um, was disenchanted with the coach they brought in to Philadelphia, and some friends of mine said, "You know, and Ali had just won the title," and uh, and I said, "There somebody one day I could beat that guy." And they said, "That's a great idea." So they put me in the gym, and uh, when I started to train in Philadelphia. And uh, I couldn't box amateur because I was always already in a professional sport, and in those days you couldn't do. You couldn't do that. You could today, but you can't. You couldn't then. So I had no amateur fights. I just went right into the professional fights. Hmm. And I started in Philadelphia. Then I went up to Boston. I boxed out of Boston for a while, and then I uh, went to San Diego to fight Ken Norton and uh, won the town over. And I stayed there and won the California heavyweight title. I was at the end of my career. Wow. And then a couple of years later, I was—I uh, well, had been—they've been asking me to do films from 1960s on, but I kept turning them down. And then 1975, they came to me to do "Farewell, My Lovely" with Robert Mitchum, and I said I think it's time. But prior to that, Steve McQueen wanted me to do the Thomas Crown Affair with him in Boston. And I turned it down, and then I turned down a huge movie, which I shouldn't have probably done, was "The Great White Hope." With James Earl Jones. Oh wow. But I had just knocked out Manuel Ramos, who was number two in the world in LA, so I figured I was getting ready for a title shot. What did I want to go to Spain for six months to shoot a movie for. I should have went, I'd have been better off. <laughs> but it is <laughs> what it is. Yeah, we all learn a learning lesson, right? But it worked out okay. I mean uh, Farewell My Lovely was a very good movie. It did well and uh, just launched my career into then I did King Kong, and I, then, then the Superman movies came up. And...
0: Yeah, for sure, that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, Superman and King Kong. I want to ask you about King Kong because <laughs> I know that you know it, it's um, obviously he wasn't okay. The the King Kong the ape or whatever, right? No, or King Kong is no, the ape, right?
1: We did it in seventy six. Yeah, It was Jessica Lange's first movie.
0: Wow, that had to be pretty cool, you know, with the, the with the effects and everything, right? And working with the
1: you no, know. it worked out really. It was it was a good film. It worked out well. I mean, it would have been it was a great script. They had a great cast. They just could have gotten a better director. But. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> well, I, I was so it was pretty. I I'm I fascinated by you know how how you know in the movies that on screen the how big you know the um the animal is. Well, yeah, the house. amazing
1: thing about the, the King Kong thing was uh, the the stunt guy did the suit and and did most of the scenes. The the, the animal, the, the other parts of it were they used a head or they used an arm or the the only time it was all together was at the very end of the movie, the last scene that they shot when they had the animal on stage. Um, he was in a cage and they were showing him off at of the show and. It, uh, that's the only time that they ever had the whole monkey together. Other than oh, that, wow. they used parts of it—the palm, the hand, head. They had a guy in the suit who did a tremendous job. And he, um, you know, it's a, it, it was it worked out very well. It was good.
0: Yeah, yes, it did. It's, that's a time. a classic right there. So that's so amazing. Um, wow! And then Superman. I know that that right there is just. Please
1: tell. Me, what was that like? <laughs> well, Superman one and two is, you know, Richard Donner was a was a brilliant director, and uh, it was a it was a great idea, and uh, that's why one and two are are still the best of the Superman movies because there'll never be another Christopher Reeve. I mean, he just he fit the role perfectly. Donner got a performance out of him, and it was his first big movie that he ever did. And he was lucky that Richard Donner was the director. And he got a tremendous performance out of him. And, it, uh, and the three villains, it, the cast was great. It was a great cast, a great director, and, and a lot of good crew. You know, we, it was a, you know, when you do a picture like that, you get a feeling whether it's running or whether, you know, where you're at with it, and it, um, it just yeah. seemed it was going to be an amazing film, you know, and the fact that we did one and two together, we shot them both. So we were all over the place. Uh, it just, um, it was good. You know, I, I enjoyed awesome. it a lot. I had a lot of fun doing it.
0: I can imagine. That's pretty awesome. Great. And I don't say great actor. I mean, <laughs> I'm still honored to, to be able to to speak with you and just, you know, get to know you.
1: Well, the Superman character was, you know, was kind of a, and when they came to me to uh, ask me to do it and they, they, they said, do you have a problem playing uh, a mute guy? And I said, no, I actually embraced that because Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine and he did a picture called Zigo that he won an Oscar for playing a deaf dumb mute. And uh, and And I said, if I ever get an opportunity to do that, I would embrace it because it gives you a chance to use body language and facial expressions and stuff and really what acting is about. And um, and then when you had three supervillains and turned, stamp was a vicious general and Sarah was a man eater. So somebody had to relate to the children because it was a big child audience. And so I played this very brutish guy uh, like a child, learning how to work my eyes and learning how to do things and, um, and we were very lucky; it, it came off very well. Wow! Amazing, amazing.
0: We talked about movie he
1: did in the past, *Dragnet*. *Dragnet*, *Dragnet* with <laughs> no. Dan Hanks and Tom, Tom uh, with uh, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd it was. A, we had a lot of fun though. That was a it was a good movie. That's a, that's a good film. In fact, if you see *Dragnet*. You could watch it 50 times, and you would never still get all the one-liners that Danny Aykroyd threw out in that thing. It was, it was, it was great.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can and then you said Tom Hanks. I remember.
1: Sorry. It was uh, Tom Hanks also, right? That was Tom Hanks' breakout movie, yeah.
0: Yeah. What was that like with, working with Tom
1: Hanks? Tom's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Very fine actor and a very nice person. Wow. Um, what would you say,
0: what would be your most memorable moment or time um, during your, your acting career?
1: I, I think doing Farewell My Love with Robert Mitchum, he and I became very close and he, he, uh, he taught me a lot about the industry and, uh, and walked me right through it. You know, and the film, the film again was cast extremely well and it was, a, it's a great, it's a great piece. It's a classic. So we had, I had a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, and I, I've been very lucky in my career, you know, to work with Mitchum and to work with Jesse Lang and uh, Jeff Bridges and Charlie Gruden and um, and to work with Omar Sharif and Jimmy Coburn and Marlon Brando, uh, you know, it's um, I've just been uh, and Chuck Nars. I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some very, very good actors and, and we've done some good films.
0: Yeah, Awesome, so so awesome. I mean, so, would you say, do you do you have like a a like a favorite uh favorite director or a favorite actor?
1: Well, like I said, Mitchum and I were very close. Brando and I were close. Um, Jimmy Coburn was a good guy. Omar Sharif was a brilliant actor. He was he and I got on very well. He was a good he was a good guy. We did. It. Picture called the Baltimore Bullet, but uh, I got, you know uh, working with with Mitchum was 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 a treat and a half. I mean he was just he's just such a brilliant actor, and Brando yeah. the same way. Brando was you know Brando was a lot of fun, and and he got to know Brando off stage was was kind of cool because he was a he's really a good guy and he uh, he's so talented. I mean, when you when you work with people like Mitchum and Brando and 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 stuff like that, when they walk on the set, you can hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in awe, man. You know, it's uh, and they're and they're you know they're just uh, they're very good. And when you work with Gene Hackman and and, and people, you know, um, you just there's a certain professionalism about them. It's just uh, you don't find all everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: That's cool. I appreciate the, way, you know, what you do and then, the, you know, to be able to make those connections with, with people, you know, besides just the work, you actually, you know, make a connection and it's, it's, it's more to it than that. And that's like something very, you know, something amazing that you, you know, you, all, you take away well, from that Well, you
1: know, you do the experience. Superman movies. We did that for three years, you know, and so you work with people on a daily basis for that period of time. You know, and and working with and Sarah Douglas is is a tremendous actress, and, and Terrence Terence Stamp was a brilliant actor. Terence Stamp was was the golden boy of England for years uh, when he was younger. He uh, I mean he was such a good looking guy, and he was uh, he, he's made some incredible films, and he's he's just a really fine actor. Um, wow! And and a lot of people that were in the Superman film. I mean, even the you know, the, big, the small character roles that were done were, were some of the great English actors. And, you know, we just had uh, Trevor Howard was in it. You know, who, we had a lot of fun. It was just uh, uh, one great actor on top of another. And then you had a great director in Richard Donner. I mean, he was just brilliant. And Tom Mankiewicz. And these guys lived, eaten, slept Superman. I mean, it just, they, <laughs> it just, uh, and we broke a lot of technology rules. We, we did some things that uh, were never done before, and and it, we, I mean, we didn't use CGI. We shot Vista Vision on or Vista Division with all different principle that worked extremely well without wires and stuff. And it was uh, it was kind of cool. It, it took long and tedious, a lot of work, but um, it was well worth it.
0: Awesome. So what would you say? Okay, so Superman. Because Superman, Legend of Superman, has been around so. For such a long time, what would, what is it? Would you say that is untrue about? Because I've heard so many different versions of like Superman and like him and the, the the Kryptonite and from where he came from, and you know what I mean. And what well, exactly you, you
1: have to understand he was the first American superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and the, and the way we did one and two, you you never saw him uh, kill. Anybody uh, like innocent people or anything, it was always just after bad guys and stuff. And uh, and it was the American way of life, and it was a whole much more wholesome uh situation to where it is today. The, the ones that they make today are getting darker and darker and darker, yeah. You know, and I just are. don't uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't agree with it. So, we're, we're actually looking to put something together where because of the technology it's around today, and and the use of hologram and stuff, we could actually bring Christopher Reed back and put him on the screen. Uh, oh, that's a pretty freaking good, awesome. We have, a, we, have a, we have a pretty good storyline. So we're, we're trying to work a deal out to, to bring back the three villains in Superman. And, and uh, we have a, like I said, we have a really, really dynamite storyline. And I think we might just be able to pull it off.
0: Well, I, I really hope you do because I would love to see that. So I hope that definitely works out.
1: Yeah, it would be great. I mean, to bring Christopher back, people would go crazy.
0: Oh, yeah, they God. would. Yeah, they definitely would. I definitely would love to see that. So I, I'm i sending positive vibes your way. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got to show these young people, got to show with the real Superman, right? <laughs> 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 That's what it's about. They don't, they don't know that. <laughs> this, this new stuff it's like oh yeah that's not what was happening back when i
1: was <laughs> Nah, it's kind of <laughs> dark the way they, they they're doing it worse and worse all the time and just you know they the, the, the technology is so much better that they could be doing and it they're just um i don't know they, they need to get back to where we can take it back to where it was before i think the fan base would would just love it and it would be great for the film industry and yeah. Warner Bros. could sure use a hit because they're getting killed by Marvel right now. So <laughs> yeah. we're just waiting for the the merger to to see it settle down. AT and T bought Warner Bros. and when it settles all down and everything, then we're going to approach some people and see if we can't pull this off. Jack and I talked about San Diego and what he
0: loved about San Diego and where he lived. Oh, goodness. Well, I hope that definitely that, that comes back because, yeah, I'm an 80s baby, so
1: I, I know. Are <laughs> so you from San Diego originally or are you from the East Coast?
0: San Diego, born and raised. Born and raised, okay. Yeah, yeah. You told me you lived out here um, at some lived time, right? La
1: Jolla. I lived in La Jolla, I lived in Del Mar, and I lived in, in Encinitas. Encinitas I quite liked, actually.
0: Okay, wow, wow. I was going to ask San you a part. So what was your, what, do you miss anything about San Diego?
1: Oh, I love San Diego. I just uh, you know, I'm up here in L.A. because I'm in the film industry still, and you know, it's just a lot of commuting back and forth. If you're jumping down, I lived down in when I was doing the Superman movies in Encinitas. I had a great place right on the cliff. It was beautiful. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a beautiful place. had a neat little way. town.
1: I like Encinitas. Encinitas is a very wealthy, quaint little town. Great food. Oh my God, some terrific restaurants there.
0: Yeah, I bet. I haven't been very much, but I definitely wouldn't mind. <laughs> Especially when you say food. I'm like, yeah, where? I'm there. <laughs> oh, boy. Jack shared some of his childhood with me. So what what was it like for you as uh, growing up as, as a child?
1: Well, I had a, an interesting childhood. In fact, I've, I've written a book that uh, that's that has done very well, and we're we're getting ready to make a film. I've got three more books going to come out, and then we're going to do a series as well, a television series. And um, I had a um, a very famous famous father because uh, I'm actually <clears throat> Italian descent. My father was a man called Albert Anastasia who came into New York, and uh, was partners with Charlie Luciano and Meyer Lansky and um, the old regime of the mafia. Wow. And Albert was, um, Albert ran a little company called Murder Incorporated. And he was, um, so I, I had a very interesting um, upbringing, so to speak. Wow. I was a, a love child that was born down in Philadelphia. But Albert lived up in Fort Lee, New Jersey. But he was uh, oh, 1942. Wow. In 1942, they were looking for him everywhere. And he was in the Army in Indian Gap, Pennsylvania. So he was down in Philly every night is where he met my mother. He had a couple of businesses out in Hazeltown and stuff. And He, was a, he ran all the docks of America. So he was a very influential man. So I, I've written a book telling uh, the true story of how if you went back to the beginning in, uh, in 1900, uh, the government, industry, unions, and organized crime were partners for a lot of years. They, you know, they a lot of the money that was made illicitly—this is before they ever got into the drug business—before a lot of money was made illicitly, was put back into the growth of a country, and no one ever really realized that they. They controlled the waterfronts, the construction companies. They gave jobs to people. Um, they owned some of the insurance companies, and they invested in Sears and Robux and General Electric and Westinghouse. And, and the money went into the country because, in the beginning, their their whole deal was gambling and uh, loan sharking and extortion. And if you didn't have money, how could you pay them? So they made sure you went to work. <laughs> it, was a, it was a whole different. Uh, it was a whole different scenario, you know, neighborhoods were safer and, you know, there was no such thing as drive by shootings and things like that, you know, it's just, uh, it was a whole different world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really out of control. Like now yeah. it's just, it's so scary. When I lived in
1: Philadelphia, when I was a boy, we never locked our front doors, you know, people used to sleep out in their backyards in the summertime because it was so hot and stuff. and Who had air conditioning? So they would right. they put up cots and stuff, and they'd sleep in the backyard. Nobody ever bothered anybody. You know, and wow. children could play in the streets from like sun up to sundown. You know, and there was never yeah. you could leave baby prams outside of your house. Nobody snatched children and stuff. I mean, you had a, you had a, a rare exception of, of something happening, but it was rare. Yeah, it was a whole different that uh, people. You know, people, when I was young, I'm 76 years old, but when I was a young boy coming up, you know, the one thing that I think we lack in our society today is the word respect. Yeah. You know, people don't respect themselves. How can you respect anything else or tradition or anything that's around you? Exactly. Exactly. We, uh, yeah. we were, I mean, the word respect was was drummed into you as a child when I was. Yeah, kid. it was for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, you respect the very children, much so you respect but you learned how to respect yourself so yeah it's a whole different you know handle fish
0: yeah yeah I, I i see a lack of it i work at um with children and, and you know and i see it all the time the way children act talk to adults along their own parents and i just sit back and think like what happened you know i'll be my, my son I, I, he knows better <laughs> but see, I was—you have to been taught that, you know. Yeah, I would have no, never,
1: I would have it's, never it's, spoken it's, to my mother the way no, I see I these just, kids. I, I, I would have got my it. head knocked off. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, you know, like I remember when I and I always went to Catholic school in Philadelphia, my first eight grades in, in grammar school. And you never—if you ever went home and said you got hit by a teacher, oh my God, you get hit at home twice as much. What did you do to get hit? <laughs> you must have done something wrong. You know, so you just kept your mouth shut. You never said boo-hoo to nobody. Yeah. Schools were, you know, schools were, were were a lot stricter, and but that but that was required, you know, to keep, to, to teach people that they had to respect the people around them and stuff. Yeah. So, and it was a lot less, yeah. uh, I mean, there was bullying, but a lot less of it than what's going on in our world today. I mean, they—they yeah, they have yeah. people cyberbullying people now. It's unbelievable. This, yeah, it just, it's just—it's
0: just like really just hot with with it's just everywhere. every turn and definitely, like you said, the cyberbullying. You know, and it's—it's it's oh, it's crazy just, the man, effects man. it's taking. Jack has a book coming out, and it talks about all different types of truths.
1: We we've written the book, and we're gonna we're telling the truth about a lot of things, and. The first book of mine is uh, from my father's death to Kennedy's death. And I tell the truth about the Kennedy assassination. And uh, wow. and we're going to tell the truth about a lot of things. You know, they just made this picture of the Irishman, which I think is a joke because I knew Frank Sheeran well. And he never killed Hoffa and he never killed Joe Gallo. Wow. From Philadelphia, I knew uh, Russell Buffalino, who was a good friend of my father's. I knew Russell well. He was from Western Pennsylvania. Joe Pesci played him pretty well, but, you know, how do you get Bobby De Niro, who's 5'8", play Frank Sheeran, was my size. He was 6'4". <laughs> so how do you get a little guy to I mean, Dan, just get <laughs> a whole job. I mean, and the things that they, Scorsese, Scorsese made, it, it was, it's an entertaining picture, okay? But uh, they took a liberty where there's a lot of questions that people have been asking answers for for a long time, like where's Hoffa? what happened here? What happened there? And he answered a lot of questions, but he didn't answer them truthfully. So it just, you know, it's kind of, I I sit back and I watch something like that and just shake my head. because I can't wait till we put what we're going to do, put it up on screen and tell the truth about some things because there are a lot of people still around that the audience that we'll grab is from 90 years old to one, you know, because grandfathers talk to sons and stories have been passed down inside the house. There's a lot of things that people talk about amongst their family that they never would talk about in the street. About the way things were and how things were run and how things happened, you know? So when they see it up on the big screen, it's going to elate a lot of people and say, finally they're telling the truth about this and telling the truth about that because they were there. Yeah. I remember I, there was a review on Amazon on my book, a guy, he's 90 years old from New York and he said, what a blessing to finally read something where somebody's telling the truth about certain people and being able, and I could use all the names because it's, I'm allowed. My father was who he was. And Meyer Lansky raised me and I, I mean, I knew all these people. So yeah, the right to use, you know, so we, we tell we use real names and we're telling some true stories and it's, uh, that's it's amazing. Work out, out extremely well. Yeah. Hey, but the truth. Family legacy. Name of the book. Yeah. Family Legacy. It's quite good.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely would would love to um, definitely read it and get yeah. to get to know get to know you know the truth.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what you know, all, it's I mean. The uh, truth. Everybody tells their version of things, and it's kind of yeah. makes you really laugh a lot. You know. I, I knew Jimmy Hoffa very well. He was Jimmy Hoffa was a man's man. He would never Jimmy Hoffa would never ask you to do what he couldn't do himself. That's what I like wow. about
0: Well that's Well, that's what? a very um, commendable thing. You know, I mean I, I, I definitely look up to that for you to be able to, you know, to have your platform to tell you know, to tell a true side of a story, you know, instead of everybody's made up version and you could you know what I mean? And you well, have the that's
1: you know our society is you know it's, it, it's the adage that never seems to go away if you line ten people up and you tell the first person something and he whispers it all the way down through the tenth person by the time it gets down the line, it's an entirely different story yeah it yeah. their two cents to it mm-hmm.
0: they have a story, a game they play in school's called telephone <laughs> they, they do that they tell they start they tell a story they go all the way down to the end, and then you say they tell the person and then you go to the teacher, whoever, and then, the, then they tell you what they heard and, and see how much it has changed from the beginning all the way, <laughs> you know, down to the end. It's kind of kind of funny yeah,
1: a little bit. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how things, you know, everybody adds their two cents to something. And, yep, yep. But, but I love just, that people tell versions of things that they were never there. So when people tell me something that I was there and I saw what was going on, how are you going to tell me a, a different version of it? You know, right. <laughs> you you read something in a book or something like that and you know there's so many books that are written 20 different ways about different things that happened in the country. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the popularity of certain people who was this and who was that when it wasn't that way in actuality at all. Hollywood like Al Capone, Al Capone wasn't the boss boss of Chicago. Hollywood made him that. Al Capone worked for a couple people back there, Tony Accardo and uh, people who really ran the city. Al Capone was just a a flash, you know, like shooting people and stuff. It was prohibition (laughs) and and Hollywood made a big deal out of him. You know, they never talk about in, in 1931, they brought him when they put the when they put the commission together in Atlantic City, Charlie Luciana. And they brought Capone in and they took him aside. They said, "Tomorrow, you're going into a movie theater in Philadelphia with a gun on you and you're going to get locked up. And he spent a a year in jail that no one ever talks about. And then when he got out of jail, they were waiting for him in Chicago with handcuffs for IRS evasion. That was their way of getting rid of him without killing him and making a martyr out of him. And he died as he had syphilis. When he went to prison, he was dying of syphilis anyway. And he died down in Florida. They had to let him out of prison because he was dying of syphilis.
0: Oh, man.
1: But no one ever tells the truth about that stuff. You understand?
0: That's oh, only what there's, they want
1: people to know. There's a lot of stories that people just, you know, they, they, they listen to what they, you know. It's amazing. Wow. Well,
0: I'm I i I'm honored to have you here because if, the ty- the show, my show's called, you know, A Voice to be reckoned With. So if you horn in on that, the voice part. Means, means uh-huh. like a lot, you know what I mean? A voice to uh, yeah. be reckoned with.
1: <laughs> I hear you were quite well. Yeah. We're trying, to, we're trying <laughs> to put something out there to let people understand some truth before. There's a lot of people, friends of mine, that are in their 90s that want to tell us some truth before they go away, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Really how things really were and how they really happened. And, you know, there's, there's just That's a cool. lot of. Um, Yep. A I'm a firm believer if you, storage, so.
0: yep. if you stand for nothing, I, I think it was uh who uh, you fall for anything. So I, I should totally, you know, commend what what you're doing and that's why I, I want my show to you know to stand you know, to build you know what I mean, off of you know what I
1: mean? Truth yeah, well, if and people right listening go to www.familylegacythenovel.com. It's all right there.
0: Most definitely, most definitely. That's the same.
1: Um, they, and it's a great read. Well, it's going to be a great film. Film is going to be awesome. Most definitely, you
0: must keep me posted, and we would love to have you back on here to uh, to update us and just to just to have you because now you're part of the You know I mean? The voice Anytime. of the you record Jack. He had a question for
1: me. Oh boy! <laughs> Probably. I'm going to ask you <laughs> a question. Have you ever have you been to bullies to eat? Have you ever go to bullies? I've heard of it, but I haven't been to eat. You've never been to Bullies? No, I but I've heard still. of
0: it before. I know, right?
1: There's one right there in Mission <laughs> Valley, right? right yep. at,
0: uh... <laughs> See, look, look, you, you got to come on down here and you got to take me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's that a shame,
0: this... huh? But I haven't there been. Were, there
1: were three. Well, George Bullock's actually had three restaurants one time. One in La Jolla, one in Del Mar, and one in Mission Valley. They were uh, it was. A, they were great restaurants. They were. Just, they still are. In fact, the kid that owns the one in Mission Valley, his father worked for George Bush. He wanted to take it over. Now the kid has it. So it's, yeah. it's great food. And hey, now, now that
0: you say it, though, I have to make up my mission to get there. <laughs> you know? yeah. you know? now, now I've been put on
1: blast <laughs> for real. <laughs> not that far from you. You know, Mission Valley is not that far from where you're at.
0: <laughs> at all. It's really not. <laughs>
1: Oh man, kind of San Diego, am I? There you go. You know, you got to get around. <laughs> yeah, I do.
0: I definitely do.
1: I do. And San Diego's changed. I mean, the Chua Vista's grown huge, and my heaven. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, they, yeah, I lived up. I lived on Delmar Heights Road when there were only four houses on that street. Oh, really? And the, and the 805 was just being built, and there was a bridge at Delmar Delmar Avenue there. And you wouldn't want to cross it. There was nothing there but a gas station. Now there's, God, houses, buildings, office buildings. <laughs> the whole 805 is just blown totally out. I mean, it's, I remember when they first, I drove on that road when you weren't allowed. To, I got stopped, actually. I was driving down. I was going from my house to bullies. And, and there was an exit right there, bullies off of the, off the 805. And I, I was driving down. The guy said, Jack, what, what are you doing on this road? I said, well, I was just testing it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, before they had opened it up, the 805 just was. that was a way before his time, and what and much needed it connected a lot of stuff, North County and down into yeah. the, right down to the border. Yeah, but wow, San Diego—it's uh its a grown, grown, grown place. I mean, I—I I remember San Diego downtown. When it was just sailors and Marines, yeah. and military. Oh, that's that's, that's my my favorite all part grown. With that, put that <laughs> ballpark in down there, boy, that just changed the whole downtown city.
0: Yep, just, <laughs> sure did. Just blew it right yeah. out. I mean, all the my favorite part is Superdome.
1: All the clubs used to be up in North County, you know, La Jolla and Del Mar, Encinitas, and you know they had clubs all the way up the coastline there, Solana Beach. Oh yeah. It just that's all changed now. Yeah, yeah,
0: I remember my one constant is Seaport Village. My dad used to take us when we were little, little girls. So I started taking my son. He's 12 now. So that's just always been like my favorite thing about. That's actually my favorite thing about San Diego in general is Seaport Village. I had a connection with it. To go where? To Seaport Village. Oh, Yeah. No. Yeah, that's my favorite part about
1: no, San sea Diego. She all that stuff. I remember when yeah. they told all that. Yeah. That's,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's some changed. great beaches. <laughs> great. There's some great beaches in San Diego. It's yeah, a, it's a great area. I like San Diego quite yeah, a bit. Actually, just gotten very crowded in the last last 15 yes. years. just gotten very, very, very crowded. Very crowded and very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I tell you, but hey, it's, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah,
1: yeah it's something to do. It's the best best temperature in the country is right there in San Diego.
0: They yeah, have the, the best sure. mean
1: temperature all the time.
0: You go to the, the beach, to on Christmas.
1: I lived on the water, <laughs> and if I just went over the mountain into El Cajon, it's like 20 degrees difference temperature <laughs> Wow! You try that sometime. You go from one coast, just go over seventy six, go over over the mountain into El Cajon and see the difference in temperature.
0: How hot it is!
1: Yeah, yeah. So I heard.
0: I have a few friends that live in El Cajon, and and, uh, yeah,
1: it's a little warm out there.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I would no parts of it. I don't do well in the heat, so (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. It's not my friend. (laughs) I hear you. Wow. well i i appreciate you definitely sharing your some of your story w- with me I, I before we before you go i just wanted to say um you know i know you uh mentioned um archie uh
1: archie moore archie archie was archie was such a nice man he was uh and what a great fighter i mean guy could fight boy he was just yeah. he, he he used to swap war stories with me He was <laughs> he'd come up and watch me train and i'd go down and he had to he had to camp down there for kids yeah yeah a very giving very giving man he was a very giving individual He was a very very nice man yeah i
0: have the honor of knowing his son billy moore and he actually he has that boxing um the the youth center it's called abc youth center and yeah. he has the boxing and my um he still works with the kids and my son is a, actually one of the represented you know as as uh you know part of the the foundation he's built with the kids
1: and so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the ABCU you know, center. That... It was called Any Boy Can. That was what Archie mm-hmm. named it when he was when he uh-huh. opened it up originally. Any Boy Can. Any Boy Can make. It. And he took yeah. a lot of kids off the street and helped them. He was really quite quite good at that. He was. He's was just a yeah. nice man. He was a very very nice, very gentle individual. A very, very yeah. serene person. I liked Archie a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I could tell. I didn't never get to meet him, but I, I could tell through, you know, his son that legacy he left behind, I could tell that he was, you know, and what he tells us about him, that he's a really awesome guy. You know, and I look up to that, to how you guys uh, use your platform for the great, to help others, you know? Yeah. Um, That's what I I definitely want to do, you know, with my show. And then with the bullying, you know, project, it's just, I just want to use it just to change. I had a friend tell me one day, we can't change the world, but we can sure put a dent in it. And I liked that. Best, I said, yeah.
1: Best, that's wanna, the best you can do. You can only, you know, no one person can change anything, but you can attribute.
0: Yeah. Can and, and that's what I want to do. Okay. So, yeah. But thank you. Thank you for your time. And, and, um, I'm just, you know, you, you, you made my day <laughs> yesterday, was my birthday and it wasn't that great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So today made up for that and just thank you so much. And you're welcome my here pleasure. anytime.
1: Well, if I ever down in San Diego we'll have to take you to bullies for lunch one day.
0: For sure, for sure. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so then I can really say, Hey, I am from San Diego.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you, thank you. Okay, and my you, have a, you have a great day and I'll happy we're New Year to too. you. You too, thank you. Okay. I definitely could say here today on the show I really enjoyed my time getting to know Jack O'Halloran. Jack, you were awesome in your retreat and I learned so much from you and I can't wait to have you back here so you can update us on what's to come and what's going on. I can't wait to read your book and see the movie and um, <laughs> wow, you took me back to my childhood and for that I say thank you and that was my birthday present. <laughs> so we here at A Voice We Reckon With have accepted you and initiated you in as family of the show. So always feel free and welcome to come back here and voice your voice on a voice to be reckoned with. Thank you, Jack.